Hello, and welcome to Birth of Family Church Podcast. We trust that you'll find an encouraging word to strengthen your walk with the Lord. And if you're visiting the area, or if you're looking for a good church home, come check us out at birthedfamilychurch.org. There you can find our location and service times. Thanks again for tuning in. God bless. Years ago, I'm not going to tell you how many, but I've always been a gearhead. I've always been into cars, especially fast cars. And I had gotten from a magazine an advertisement for a Porsche, and I I tore the advertisement uh, out of the the, uh, the magazine, and I pinned it on the wall of my bedroom. And in the picture was this uh, 353 Porsche. That's the old body style that came out in 65. And it looked like a bathtub turned upside down. And uh, the picture was the back end of this Porsche going around the corner. And uh, the caption underneath the picture said, are you tired of looking at a Porsche from that view? And the next picture showed somebody behind the wheel of a Porsche. Well, sometimes we're looking at the back end of the things of God. We got the wrong perspective. Yes. And we don't see that God has put us behind the driving seat of our life. To do what? To rule and reign. And so when challenges come, instead of us looking at this problem, you know, from the perspective of, oh boy, but look what's going on in my life. That's the wrong view. The view is to be in the Lord's lap in heaven. And see that that challenge is not only under his feet, but under yours. And then he'll show you how to deal with it from that perspective. See, if, if I view myself as a victim, then I will always be victimized. Because I'm taking that role. And that's what I'll expect. Amen. But if I see myself as a victor, then challenges come. I'm just going to find a way to overcome it through him. Because in him I live, and I move, and I have my being. So we have to determine which person we view ourselves as. Am I a victim? Just because we have challenges in our life doesn't make us a victim. My wife and I, you should see some of the things we're looking at right now that are challenges in our life. We're we're no different than any person on this ball of dirt. We're just like all y'all. 
And we've got our bag of things that are trying to tell us that, oh, poor you. Right? But we refuse to be a victim. I'm not going to buy that bill of goods. No, I'm in Jesus. And the Bible says that he always causes me to triumph. It says that I am more than a conqueror through him who loves me. And so surround yourself with people that have this, that perspective. Don't let yourself be drawn to these oh me people. Right? Because they're going to feed that victim mentality. Get around people that have the, I'm more than a conqueror attitude. I can do all things through Christ because he's strengthening me. Amen. And let him pick you up and put you in that seat where you already belong. In heavenly places in Christ. And things will change. Oh, they're not going to change overnight. Because we've been walking in this direction for a long time. You, you know, it takes one mile to turn around an aircraft carrier. One mile to turn around an aircraft carrier. But you got to start turning before you have turned. So that aircraft carrier has to turn one mile before it needs to. If we'll, just, if we'll just learn how to depend on him, stay in that seated place of victory, and just follow him, he'll get us out of every test, every trial, every circumstance. Amen? Amen. Yes. Glory to God. Well, that's my advertisement. We can get into the service now. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm glad I'm in church this morning. Amen. Most importantly, I'm glad in church, I'm in church with you this morning. Because Amen. Amen. Yes. we are of like faith. That, that we all believe that Jesus is the Son of God. That's right. And that he's coming soon. Amen. And that he's building a place for us right now before we get there. Amen. Amen. Well, let's, uh, let's go on over to Acts. And uh, if this morning's service seems a little disconnected, it's because it is. We may not have like a normal flow as we normally do here this morning. But, you know, I believe that the, the Lord has given me a message for us as a church this morning. And so that includes you guys out there, because we see you as a part of this place, Birthed Family Church. And so I believe this is a message for me, for my beautiful wife, and for every one of you here and out there. And so let's, let's, let's open our ears. And see what he's saying to us, not simply collectively, corporately, but also individually. Amen. It's interesting over there in, uh, I believe it's 1 Corinthians 3.16, if you read it from the Amplified, it talks about how you and I are the temple of God, the dwelling place of God. The Amplified goes a step forward. It says that you are the temple of God both individually and corporately. Meaning that God dwells in us individually, but when we gather in his name, he gathers upon all of us at the same time collectively. That's pretty cool, isn't it? And so 
I want you to go on over to Acts, and we're going to open our ears to hear. I'm talking about our, our ears of our heart. And I understand that what he speaks to us has to be filtered through our mind. So don't let the enemy keep you from realizing that he's talking to this guy and not this guy out here. He's talking to your inner man, not your outer man. So, Father, we thank you that we are now a part of you. Even though we're living here in this world, even though we're down here living in this body, that which is seen and that which is felt outwardly is not us. We're the guy living on the inside. We're that eternal spirit that you have taken into your hands and recreated us to shape and form us into your image. And in real time, we are that person right now and we'll be that person for all eternity. So within our heart now, we choose to hear from you. We, we choose to allow you to speak into our life, helping us with our decision-making, with our schedules, our, our priorities, and all those things that we have responsibility for. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being our teacher this morning. In Jesus' name, everyone believe and said, Say, I'm going to hear from God today. I'm going to hear from God today. Amen. 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 Well, I'm looking for a place to start. Did you find uh, the book of Acts? Glory to God. I want you to go to chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Verse 1. Now, for whatever reason, the translators translated this book as the Acts of the Apostles. And that is not an appropriate title for this book. These collections of writings is not just about apostles, it's about the early church and what the church did. See, apostles didn't do things by themselves. They did things as part of the body. So the title of Acts should be the Acts of the Early Church. This is what God did through the early church. Yes, some of them were apostles, but most of them were disciples, just followers. Of Jesus. That's what you and I are. We're followers of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Yes. That's why we're here this morning. We followed him to this place. Amen. So stop looking at things that God does through people without you associating that he can also do it through you and me. Come on. Come on. That's good. That's so good. Does that make any sense to anybody? Yeah. Because we are the body of Christ and members in particular. Now look here in, in verse 1 of chapter 2 of the Acts of the Early Church. 
It says right here that when the day of Pentecost was fully come, so apparently it had been coming for a while. You see, everything that we experience gets birthed from a spiritual realm. And a lot of things that God has willed for you and I, it is already manifested in that unseen realm. In God's eyes, you were saved 2,000 years ago. And it was a spiritual truth and a spiritual reality. So I can say it this way, the, the fullness of my spiritual birth came to a place of manifesting in the scene realm. See, Pentecost, this outpouring, this visitation of God to us, the church, was given to us by God 2,000 years ago. And they were, it was coming all the way to this point in time where man or the early church allowed it to be birthed into this scene realm. You and I have to be careful to keep living in the realm of time. What do I mean, living in the realm of time? making decisions of what reality is by our current status of what we see or feel. That's living in the realm of time. Just because I may not feel motivated this morning to get out of bed. That's not a reality. Because I can choose to just get up out of bed and be happy about it. Now, if I stay in that realm of time, in that moment in time, I don't feel like getting up, so I don't get up. See, you and I have to live in the unseen realm, make decisions from the unseen realm. And every day is a day that we can accomplish good things through him. And so when this fullness of time was come, when that which God had already given was finally able to be seen and experienced, it says that they were all. Well, who's they were all? Do you know? It says that they were all where? or should I say how, with one accord, where, in one place. So is this a gathering of an individual, or is this a corporate gathering? It's a what? Corporate. So God's about to come upon a corporate group of believers. But who were they? Huh? Okay, yes, number one, they were believers because over in the Gospel of John, they got saved before Jesus ascended on high. Remember, he breathed on them and they received salvation. And their sins were remitted, were forgiven, were erased. So these are believers, you got that right. 
But who else were they? They were the remnant. Well, you know, the Bible tells us. Go back to the first chapter of the Acts of the early church. Go, go to verse 14. Ah, wait a second. Now, nah, let's go up further. Go to verse 13. Acts 1, 13. And when they, everybody say they, they were come in, they went up to a upper room. So their, their dwelling place, their house, their church building, so to speak, was this upper room. Now, I am convinced that naturally speaking, it was an upstairs room. It wasn't on ground level because it was an upper room. But also, there's a spiritual connotation. It was a room that was heavenly or heavenly minded. They went to that upper place, up away from the earth in its ways, and went into a place where they were going to do business with God. Heavenly. Well, let's find out who these believers were. So they. They went up into an upper room where abode with both Peter and James and John and Andrew and Philip and Thomas and Matthew, James, the son of these wonderful guys' names that I don't like to pronounce, and Simon, and then also his brother, James. And they all did what? They continued with one accord in prayer. Now, this verse 13 tells us the leaders of the early church, of which some were in spiritual offices that God sent them through Jesus Christ. Some of them were apostles. Some of them were pastors and, and evangelists, because Philip was there, and prophets and pastors and teachers. But then it starts telling us about others who were there who are like you and I, followers of Jesus, a disciple. Verse 14, these all did what? Continued with one accord, doing what? Praying, making supplication, along with all people, women. How many of you know that without women there'd be no Jesus in flesh? Come on. And oh, by the way, you and I wouldn't be here either. <laughs> it's, it's interesting that religious people can't, they, they, they can only see gender and don't see who's inside that which has a gender. Whole nother story for another time. So, with the women and Mary, which Mary is this? Mary, the mother of Jesus. So, Jesus was part of this gathering of 100 people, 120 people, up in this heavenly room. 
and with his brothers. Yeah, Jesus had a bunch of half-brothers. They, they, they all had the same mommy, but they didn't all have the same daddy. One of, one of the group there from Mary, one of them had a father named God. The rest, I guess, had a father named Joseph. And it says that in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, the number of names together were about 120. So I want you to picture them coming to pray every day. Now, let me ask the question again. Who are these people in the upper room? Let's think about this naturally. The people who were in the upper room were mommies and daddies. Maybe business owners. People who had jobs. People that had responsibilities at the house to feed the kids, wash the clothes. Cut the grass. So every one of these people, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, had other things that she could be doing that day. Oh, come on. Come on. This is where it gets a little close to home here, so <laughs> kind of pull your feet back a little bit so I don't step on your toes. You see, too many times we, we read a scripture like this and they are all up in the upper room. Oh, how awesome that was. Oh, I wish I could be there. But would you be? Would you be there? Because the same responsibilities you have today, you would have had back then. Amen. See, we don't, I don't hate to use this expression, but sometimes we don't allow scriptures to be real. Or look at, look at them in a realistic way. You see, every one of these had to abandon their personal responsibilities for a portion of time. And gather with the other 119. And so they had a choice every day. Am I going to stay and take care of all this? Or am I, have I carved out enough time to go and be a part with 119? And how many know that takes some doing? Because, hey, life doesn't stop when you want to serve God. You still got to punch the clock. You still got to pay the bills. You still have to feed the folks. You still have to clean the clothes, clean the house, cut the grass. And our day evaporates. Like that every day. But you see, these guys, 
these guys. They carved out the time to go to the upper room. Yes. Wow. Come on. You had to do that this morning. Amen. Amen. Yes, sir. And you still had responsibilities. There may be unclean dishes in the sink right now, like at our house. Oh, yeah, there are. I put them there. My wife is astonished at that. There's things I, I there's, there's a load of laundry in the dryer right now at the Conover's house. I could be home folding it. Well, she could be home folding it. <laughs> I hate folding clothes. I don't mind washing and drying them and carrying the baskets up and down the stairs. I ain't folding them. <coughs> you understand what I'm saying? You had something else you could have done this morning, but you're now where? In the upper room. Right? Now, what's the fruit? What's the fruit of them organizing their day so that they could be in the upper room? Go back to chapter 2. Verse 2. So they're in one place, in one accord, and we know they're praying. And it says, suddenly. Can anybody say, suddenly? There came a sound that came from where? Where'd, where'd this sound come from? Heaven. What did it sound like? Well, like a rushing mighty wind, like a train going by. And it, whatever was making the sound, which is a divine person, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit filled all the house. Now remember, God lives where? In us, but he also lives on us, or amongst us, or in the midst of us. This isn't this building is not God's house, yeah. technically speaking. You are his house. Amen. But when we come here collectively, then he has a collective house Woo, to dwell on. Yes. So there's more of them in our midst together than when we're alone. There appeared upon them cloven, cloven tongues. That, that's like when you see a flame, it kind of, it just kind of flutters. And it was like fire. It doesn't say it was fire. It says it looked like fire. Maybe even had attributes of fire. And it sat. It did what? It sat. Did you know that God sits on people? You ever why when some people get prayed for, they, they, they fall down? Well, sometimes it's because God just sat on them. Come on. Come on. Yeah. I remember one time at a service, this is when I was going to Bible school, 
and I had this minister lay hands on me for healing and I fell to the ground and I was on my back and my mind goes well that's enough time we can get up now and I tried to physically get up and I couldn't because God was sitting on And they were all, everybody say all. all. So that means all these guys that were in the upper room. And, and not all of them were apostles. I say there was probably only a couple apostles there. It was all people like you and me. Amen. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in a heavenly language. Now, you know that this was the, the, the entranceway of God's outpouring of his spirit upon his church. Now, I want us to get this, and I can't believe it. It's, I thought I'd be done at 1130. I haven't even got to my notes yet. Understand that this term that we use, revival, outpouring, spiritual rain, move of God, awakening, all those words that we use to describe what just happened in this upper room is not something that God predetermines when it's going to happen. Your salvation, you're the one who determined the day and time that you were saved, yeah. not God. Come on. Amen. Why? Because salvation was given to each one of us 2,000 years ago. And then on May 4th, 1977, I decided to receive salvation into my life. So I'm the one who did what? I determined to have salvation. I climbed into the upper room on May 4th, 1977, and asked Jesus to come into my heart, and I had a heavenly experience while on earth. Amen. Revival's the same way. Man determines when God can pour out what he's already given. Because the Bible says here that this is a fulfillment of the prophet Joel that in the last days I will pour out of my spirit. What are the last days? It's the dispensation of grace. It is the church age. It's right now Amen. on the earth. Amen. This dispensation of grace and this outpouring that's available to us, the church, has been here for 2,000 years. just want to talk about for a moment. My moment might be different than your moment. <laughs> Go to your left to the book of John. And going over to the, am I going to the 8th chapter? I'm going to the 8th chapter. 
No, I'm not. I'm going to chapter 7. Excuse me. Now, I want you to say this out loud and definitely, definitely say it if you don't believe it. So the first time you say this, you may not believe it, but that's when you need to say it so you hear it. Say, I believe, I believe that God has given me and the church revival. We can have it anytime we reach out for it. So I want to know, how do we reach out to it? Because I want it. Amen. <laughs> and I need it. <laughs> Just like when I climbed into that upper room and needed salvation, there he was. And I got it. Amen. Now, this is Jesus about to speak. I'm in John 7, verse 37. And thank you so much, Sharon, for putting these scriptures up. It's interesting that in the natural, it was in the last day. Do you see that in the King James? In the last day? Well, spiritually, he's saying in the last days. In the church age. In the dispensation of grace. This is the truth. That, that great day of the feast, it says that Jesus stood up and cried. Now that word cried is like an emotional beckoning. That he's emphasizing its importance. And he's desirous that you have what he has He's about to give, because he hasn't ascended on high yet. He, he's, he wants you to have what he is about to give you, and so he cries out with a, an emotional plea and says, if any man do what? Thirst. Now, let me just say this very briefly. If I'm lacking something in my life that Jesus has already given it to me is because I'm not thirsty for it. Ooh, come on. That's good. Yes, sir. I was thinking this morning of this person, and the doctors said that she had an incurable disease. And my wife happened to cross her path, and we began to share Jesus as the healer to her. And we asked her, do you, do, you, do you want us to pray for you? Oh, yeah, go ahead and pray. And we prayed for her, and the power came on her. She said afterwards she felt something warm come inside of her. And then we told her, you need to get the word in your heart. Because that healing it can take a period of time from when you initially receive it until it completely manifests on the outside. And you need to come. And we shared, you know, our, our services that we were having, a, a faith school and what time it was and all that. And uh, she showed up, like, I think two times. And then we didn't, we didn't see her again. So uh, 
we went to see her, see how she was doing, wondering why she hadn't been, you know, didn't ha hadn't stopped coming. And she says, well, you know, I'm just so busy. I'm just so busy, I just don't have time. But you know, that wasn't the problem. The problem is she wasn't thirsty. Because you know, when you're thirsty, you're going to find a way to get something to quench the thirst. Not just keep saying, I'm thirsty, I'm thirsty, I'm thirsty. Let me tell you another story. I, I knew of this couple, this husband and this wife. And the husband, when he was just a young skeeter, I don't know, somewhere between 12 and 14, he was working on the family farm, and, you know, they had a farming accident. And somehow he found himself underneath of a tractor, and a tractor rolled up onto his chest, and then they rolled it back off. Well, in the hospital, they found out that one of his kidneys was damaged and had to be removed. So they took his kidney out. He grew up, married this, this beautiful lady. They started a family together. And all along, he knew that that one remaining kidney was beginning to fail. He knew that because he went to sign up to be a soldier when World War II broke out. And they wouldn't accept him. He did everything to pass that test. He even fasted for so many days to get his thing, you know, blood cleaned out as best he could. And he, he got there and he said, no, we can't take you. And so he married this woman and she knew that he had this condition and they knew that they, the, talk, the clock was ticking. And eventually he would die. Well, back in the 40s and, and all of the 50s and into the 60s, in America there was this great healing revival. People like William Branham and Jack Cole Oral Roberts, um, Catherine Kuhlman. They were part of this group of ministers that God had anointed, and everybody was getting healed that went to their meetings. Just about everybody, because God was emphasizing. It was an outpouring of healing upon America. And yet, this couple knew about the meetings, knew what God was doing. But they were so busy. They had three kids to take care of. He was a manager in a big corporation, and they were flying them here and flying them there. And he just, they were just busy. There was even meetings in this city that they lived near. They lived just hours away from Catherine Kuhlman's home of ministry where she was having meetings there more than any other place that they could have gone to. But they were busy. They had things. I, we got three boys. I'm, I'm a big shot. I'm an executive in this corporation. I got things I got to do. Come on. Hallelujah. Come on. 
weren't thirsty. They weren't thirsty. They just figured, well, if God's going to heal me, he'll heal me. After all, they were good denominational Christians. We know he's able. Just don't know if he will. And at 39 years of age, this husband, this father of three boys, died and left him. I even remember seeing Oral Roberts on the TV set in their home. But they just weren't thirsty. And that's how I lost my dad. Because they weren't hungry. See, Jesus says over here, if any man thirst, let that man who's thirsty come unto me and drink. You see, there is a drinking of the Holy Spirit. There is a filling of the Holy Spirit. And revival is generated and produced by a collective group of people who are thirsty. And they take the time to come to Jesus and pray. And then suddenly, suddenly, you, you won't see it coming, but then all of a sudden it's here. Kind of like Christmas morning. It's coming. But then all of a sudden you wake up and it's what? It's here. For he that believeth on me, as the scripture says, out of his belly, the belly represents your spirit, shall flow rivers of living water. Where's that river going to come from? while you're in his presence in the upper room praying for him to come. And when he does, he'll fill you and then out of the resources of your spirit that he just filled, you'll go out and help people with living water. Now, I heard people say this a lot. Well, you know, Pastor... Uh, I want this revival stuff. And you know, when it gets here, I'm going to jump in. Anybody heard someone else say that? You guys scared to put your hand up? I've heard that a lot. Well, when God starts moving, I'll, I'll be there. Well, this morning, the Lord showed me what that was like. Back in the day, when railroads were the major kind of tra uh, transportation. There's some people that couldn't afford a, a ticket to be in the rail cars, so they were riding the rails. They were jumping onto the rail, uh, rail cars and then kind of riding on the top of the rail car to get somewhere. But they'd always choose a place, you know, outside the station, outside where the train would stop, and then it would have to slowly roll out to get up to running speed down the track. So they'd find a place down the track 
were, it wasn't at top speed yet, and so they would run along the train as it's going by and try and get as fast as it was going and then grab it and get on. So they were getting on to what? A rolling train, a moving train. Could you imagine if they tried to get on by just standing there? <laughs> Probably rip your arm off, right? And that's how revival is. You got to start running to catch revival. Amen. What's coming? That, what, what do you mean running to catch to catch revival? That means being in the upper room. That means being available to pray, being available to be the hungry, be, be, being there saying, "Lord, you promised this. We, we we receive it from you. We thank you for it." Yes. And we keep doing it until He manifests with a suddenly. Amen. So, right now, right now, in the Conover house, we have revival. Well, what's that look like? Well, we're carving out this time to pray. Yeah. You know, get up early Amen. and pray. Yeah. And my flesh is going because <laughs> I like to sleep. So what do you do for that time you separate for him in the house? Well, I talk to him. I pray to him. I open his word and read it. And I'm under this fountain and I'm getting full. Can you tell that I might be a little bit fuller today than I was last week? <laughs> I can't. I don't know about all y'all. And then I'm going to bring it here to the church. Amen. Come on. Now, what if more than just Brucey Babes in his house did that at home? And bring that here Amen. on Sunday morning. Or bring that on Tuesday night at 7 in prayer. Yes. Come on. I mean, don't be like the, the, the old Conover house that was too busy. Right? We got three kids. I got a corporate position. We don't want to be like them. But we want to be like these guys over here in Acts. Amen. I mean, the, the, the mother of Christ's humanity was up there. Yeah. His brothers were up there. Huh? Yes, sir. I'm sure Mag uh, Mary Magdalene was up there. Yes, right? Amen. Getting filled. Yes, Getting filled. Yes. Getting filled. Yes. Getting filled. Amen. Because I'm looking for a suddenly. Yes. And you can't have a suddenly until you have an upper room experience. Amen. 
And the only way to have an uh, uh, upper room experience is to be available. I don't want to hear about what brought the revival. I want to be a part of what brought the revival. Amen. Amen. There was a commercial back in the day, and this was their, their little phrase to get you to use their, their product. They ended every commercial, and they said this, Try it! You'll like it! <laughs> I'm telling you, Upper Room is awesome. And if I can carve out the time to do it at home, then I can do it in other places that he directs me to do it. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you that right now you have given us the promise and the where for all to have revival, to have an awakening, to have an outpouring. Why? Because you said in the last days you would pour out your spirit upon all flesh. That's already something you've given. But now, Lord, we see that it's up to us to receive it. It's up to us to be filled, to come to Jesus thirsty for more. My experience with you personally, my experience with you at church is not enough. I want more. Help us to stir up the, the, the thirstiness. Help us to find some salt that we get thirsty and hungry for more. May we not just be satisfied with the status quo. May we not just be satisfied with what we currently are enjoying. But may we want more, not necessarily for ourselves, but for others. Because there is fruit that's produced through revival. There's fruit that's produced with outpouring and is called a harvest of souls. That's really why we're making the effort to be filled in the upper room. Because you use us to bring in the harvest. So, Father... We simply ask right now, cause me to be hungry for more of you. Say it out loud. Lord, cause me to be hungry for more of you. I got to have more of you. What you have is more important than what I think I have to do. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, thanks for coming out. Oh, you bet, Pastor. I'm glad I was here. I'm glad, I'm glad to hear that. Hallelujah. Thanks for coming out this morning.